The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous supporters. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash donate. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode 140. One day, I shall come back. That's it. I've been renewed. As when a Time Lord's body wears out, he regenerates. I'm a Time Lord. I'm not a human being. I walk in eternity. Bravehearty. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited vice pudding! Position was wearing a bit thin. Fantastic. Allons-y! I am Scottish. I can complain about things. Should be fine. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who, and today we're discussing the 10th Doctor story, The Doctor's Daughter. Joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very well. Folks, if uh, you have not yet done so, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn your favorite podcast app on YouTube, where we have the SQPN YouTube channel, and on Spotify. You can now get us on Spotify. So all those places. Uh, I do want to let you know that we got some great feedback at the end of this episode, so stick around for that. And uh, I want to tell you about another show that we have on the StarQuest Network called Raising the Bets. It's a it's a little personal show I'm doing with my wife, Melanie. We talk about uh, we are the bets, Bettinelli. We are raising them. Uh, there's a little pun on gambling, I suppose. Uh, raising a family is like gambling. No, we talk about uh, the trials and tribulations of family, raising kids, uh, the fun things we're reading, we're watching, cooking. We talk a lot about food and stuff. So uh, give it a check out. It's at sqpn.com slash bets, B-E-T-T-S. So, uh, t- I, lo- I, I like that nounification of verbs. Give it a check out. Give it a- check it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I meant to say that, but... Uh- it works. it works. It works. As they say in German, das geht. <laughs> so uh, I, w- I do want to point out, I was I was looking at some other uh, podcasts, Doctor Who podcasts over the weekend, where they are and what people are looking for, because it's, you know, a, a little, I want to see what people are looking for in their Doctor Who talk. Uh, and one of the things I saw was uh, I, someone looking for a recommendation for a podcast. I'm like, oh, uh, we could be. And then they, they said, but I want it to be British. Like, they, I, like I, I just need to make sure that the hosts are British. Oh. So from now uh-huh. on, we need to use British accents. <laughs> or maybe not. <laughs> yeah, that ain't happening. <laughs> so uh, just a little fun. Uh, there are so many great po- uh, uh, Doctor Who podcasts out there. I hope you're enjoying this one, and we're really grateful that you listen. So we're, we're talking about this, this episode. One of the episodes that really stands out for a lot of fans, The Doctor's Daughter, uh, it is uh, The Doctor, played by David Tennant, The Tenth Doctor. Uh, he's with Donna and Martha Jones. Martha has stuck Yay. around, and they so they they end up on this planet which is at war. They've escaped from the Santarans into another war zone, and yep. they they encounter these people who create super soldiers by a, an artificial process. We'll get into that in a second. And they take the Doctor's DNA and him a uh, uh, a daughter shall we say. He, he identifies yeah. it as a daughter. So this is a couple interesting things about this. 
this is the only the second known genetic relative of the doctor after Susan, his granddaughter, presumably Mm -hmm. if he's got a granddaughter. And he actually says in this episode, he has at least a child, maybe more than one. But uh, so there's presumably children. uh, Says he's been a father before. Right. So that so that's an interesting aspect that we're finding out about the doctor. Um, The actress. Okay, so let's talk about this now. The actress oh, yes. who plays Jenny, the doctor's daughter, is the real-life daughter of the fifth doctor, Peter Davison. So an actor who's the daughter of the doctor is playing a character who's the daughter of the doctor, but she's married to David Tennant now, and they have a daughter together, so she's also the mother to the doctor's daughter and granddaughter. I'm my own grandfather. I think that's true in this. I haven't sat down and worked it out, but I think that makes David Tennant his own grandpa in this episode as a result. Now, we should mention he wasn't married to Georgia Moffat at the time right. they filmed this in 2008, no. but they did get married by the end of 2011 when they had the daughter. Yes, this, is, this is when they first met. Was on this episode. I, I understand they didn't even start dating until like a year afterward. The this, so there was no, yep. nothing untoward there. I mean, because otherwise it's a little creepy. She's playing his daughter, but she's, they're dating. That would be that would be a little uh, which, young which line. then makes the 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 uh, the little uh, comedy episode between the two of them all the more uh, between uh, Peter Davidson and yes. David Tennant all the more fun. The, what was that uh, time crash? Yeah, that was time that crash. was a little a little. Which says before this, so yes, yeah. Little did they know that they would have that other connection, other than both playing the same character. And I, th- I believe I read that after filming Time Crash, Peter Davison went to his daughter Georgia and said, "Now it's your turn." Yes, yes. And uh, this, mm. I think something about this comes up in that funny little uh, uh, show they did called The Five Doctors Ish. Yes, which features yeah the Peter Davison, Colin uh, Baker, and. Um, Sylvester McCoy, Sylvester McCoy and, and, yes. So it features them uh, trying to get onto the 100th anniversary special of Doctor Who. Yep. Not 100th anniversary, 50th, 50th anniversary. 50. Now, that would be time travel. So, yeah. So, but uh, so a lot of fun. It, it, fans love this timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly aspect to David Tennant's real life uh, that's connected to Doctor Who. So uh, it's fun to, to deal with that. So let's talk about the, this episode, though, the story. Russell T. Davies, the showrunner at the time, intended for this to be a very important episode, not like in a back to back after-school special way, a very special episode right. of Doctor Who, but he <laughs> intended this to have, the events of this episode to have a lasting effect on the Doctor that changes him for a long time. Yeah, mm. not really. <laughs> no. But he said, I mean, this is what he intended, whether it did or not, yeah, I mean, it, it at the end of this episode, he's quite emotional about it, and he appears to have something changed. But yeah, oh. it, it knocks him down a peg for about two seconds. Yes, right. Yeah, in terms of what actually had an impact, an episode we haven't got to yet, uh, Silence in the Library and Forest of the Dead had a bigger impact on yep. his long-term trajectory in several different ways. Right. Yep. Yeah, and and no no coincidence that those were written by Stephen Moffat. <laughs> Which yeah. those episodes no relation to Georgia Moffat, right? Different spellings, even. Uh, but speaking of Stephen Moffat, Davies intended for Jenny to die and stay dead at the end of this episode. He wanted her. He wanted that impact to, mm. to be on the on the Doctor. But it was Stephen Moffat who convinced uh, Davies to let her live because Stephen Moffat doesn't want anybody to stay dead. If he yeah. if he kills them, they they're definitely coming back to life anyway. So. Uh, so see, 
Well, it's, which makes you wonder: it's did, kinda, was he intending to bring Jenny back at some point? Uh, actually, they he indicated that um, the door was wide open for Jenny to come back, and we should mention: so Jenny is the name of the doctor's daughter right. because she's a generated anomaly. Yes. Uh, so they yep. name her Jenny. Yep. Uh, Donna does. And the door was open for uh, Jenny to come back, um, but it didn't end up happening on the TV show. And it seems unlikely at this point. Yeah. Unless she's the timeless child. Ooh. Which, um, start a rumor. But <laughs> what's start, that? Start a start rumor. rumor. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Jenny has appeared in spinoff media, including Big Finish. Yeah. So Georgia Moffat did a series last year with like four plays, audio plays about Jenny doing the doctor thing out there, saving civilizations and stuff. Yeah. I, I kind of, I had to say, I kind of like Jenny. I like her spunk. I like her yeah. the wide-eyed optimism sort of stuff. Uh, and, and, and I think... Oh, she she had me as soon as she says, hi, Dad. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and it doesn't hurt that she's cute. I mean, she, let's, let's be yeah. clear. She's, she's very cute. And she, but she just has that way about her that is like, oh, that she's fun. You know, she's a time lord who's fun as opposed to old stodgy doctor. Uh, so that's, that's exactly that's good. And she's almost in some ways when at the uh, I'm kind of skipping ahead, but I just want to get a lot of this out of the way first. At the end, she's almost like the nearly dead Clara in a shoulder at the end of the 12th doctor's mm-hmm. run. Yep. Yeah, he- Very much like heading that. off into space to do the thing on a TARDIS or she doesn't have a TARDIS, but. That sort of thing. At that point, she doesn't have a TARDIS. Yes. <laughs> but she's clearly the doctor's daughter. Yes. Yep. Uh, so that means you'll get one. So uh, there. So we start the episode where we left off the last one, the, where we left off on the Poison Sky, with uh, the they're stuck on the TARDIS. The TARDIS took off on its own with Martha still on board, unwillingly, and uh, the TARDIS is going crazy, and is including the doctor's severed hand. And remember that severed hand that got cut off during his regeneration episode uh, at the very beginning of the, the second cri- season. The Christmas invasion. The Christ- that's right, the Christmas invasion. And uh, so it's it's kind of going crazy. I, I kind of missed why. <laughs> he says the hand, and I didn't, it's a rubber hand in a, in a yep. container of liquid. Yeah. Um, but he said, my hand's all excited about where we're going. And this leads to a quick lesson to Donna about, oh, the doctor can regrow a hand. <laughs> right. Um, yep. But uh, I didn't see the hand doing anything. I think they just kind of were shaking the camera and we were expected to imagine the hand was like wiggling its fingers or something. <laughs> well, they kind of they upped the bubble. So the hand did kind of, you know, wiggle a little bit in there. Right. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. Donna says, I thought that was just some freaky alien thing. And I was like, it got cut off. He grew a new one. <laughs> uh, so. They, the TARDIS brings them uh, to this planet on their own. Uh, Martha is excited to be on an adventure again. She says, uh, yeah, Donna says, I thought you wanted to go home. And she says, I know, but all the same, it's that feeling you get. Uh, and Donna says, like you swallowed a hamster? Yeah. I suppose that could be an exciting feeling. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, a butterfly might be a less gross that way of thinking about it. But um, So they, they wander out into this battlefield. or Well, right before that, though. Uh, the, these soldiers pop out, take them at gunpoint, and shove the doctor's arm in this giant machine and cl- clone him. They say it's it's not it's not cloning; it remixes the DNA. So she's not a genetic duplicate; she's a genetic remix, and thus a right. daughter. Okay, all right. So yeah, all right. That's a good. They call it progenation, right? Yeah. Okay. So uh, this is and that's to prevent uh, 
cloning issues. I mean, I, I, I guess yeah. if you if you photocopy a person too too much, the it starts to degrade. Uh, exactly. Yeah, and that's why sex or biologically that's why sex exists in the first place apparently is because uh you if if everything is a clone you're genetically vulnerable to uh microbes and stuff so by remixing the dna you improve the immune system in an arms race against the microbiome so remind me uh the sex chromosomes xy xx who's what that that so in humans, uh, males are XY and females are XX. So this would work if if time lords code sex the same way humans okay. do. However, even here on Earth, XY and XX are not the only way sex is determined. There are species that use other coding systems, mm-hmm. and there are species that don't code sex genetically. Um, you have some like black mollies that change their sex. Right without changing their genetics. I wonder if that explains, like one of the things fans bring up is, is why weren't Donna and Martha progenated here at this point? Um, they would have been, but circumstances intervened. Okay. But I, well, I wonder if they don't progenate women only because they could not make other, they, they would only produce more women and you didn't end up with an imbalance in the population. They might do that, but um, but the implication is that they later in the episode they are going to do this to Donna, except yeah. they never get around okay. to it, and presumably would have with Martha, except we had early companion separation. Oh, okay. Yep. So both uh, Tardis and companion separation same time. Right. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about that. There's a firefight with the fish people, the Hath, uh, and mm-hmm. uh, Martha is captured, and they ha- by the Hath and. The they blow the tunnel up to ca- to cut them off. So we had some battle between humans and half. Um, uh, hell hath no fury like that. Never mind. <laughs> I had a little Shakespeare reference in there somewhere, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, so Martha ends up on the other side of this collapsed tunnel. Um, and being a doctor, she notices one of the fish people is injured, and even at gunpoint, she is she helps them. Now we have she relocates his shoulder. Yes. Yep. We have a situation here where the audience doesn't understand what the alien fish people are saying. Uh, right. They've got they've got these things strapped to their faces that are like tubes of liquid that bubble. And I guess that's a breathing apparatus for them because right. they're natively underwater life forms, but they're not underwater. Right. And so all we ever hear is gurgling. Uh, and I really like that. Um, it's nice not to hear the standard battle rhetoric of the antagonists in the episode um and it makes them more sympathetic since we can't overhear what they're saying we can only infer it from their actions apparently in the script their dialogue was written out and Mm. martha apparently can understand what they're saying due to tardis translation that's apparently why halfway through the episode she starts referring to the half that she helped as peck because she's learned his name right from and so she's actually and there are other clues as well that she she is understanding this but the viewer for once does not okay, okay. right uh yeah that's one of the things i want to like uh, talk about was like this idea that uh she could understand but the viewer can't but it's not because the tardis translation circuit isn't working it's because of an artistic decision by the by the yeah. director that may have been made late in the production process or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, meanwhile, the Donna notes that the doctor isn't a uh, isn't nat- a natural parent in the sense of he doesn't take to it naturally. The doctor's treating 
Jenny, we, she doesn't have her name exactly at this point yet, but we'll, I'll just call her Jenny for yeah. sake of simplicity. He's treating her like he, like he rejects her, like she's some sort of manufactured thing that he just is, has wants nothing to do with. Um, he said, right. in part because she's a soldier, she's programmed to fight. Right. Yeah. He said. He says it's a. She's just a biological accident. Getting a tissue sample taken at gunpoint doesn't make him a natural parent. Uh, he, he says you can't extrapolate a relationship from a biological accident. And Donna says, uh, the child support agency can, which I, yeah. <laughs> nice line there from Donna. Uh, and it turns out that both sides of the war, the, the forces that are fighting are made up of generations of progenerating soldiers that they, there've been generations mm-hmm. of them. The no, no one remembers the original generation, which is kind of hard to believe given the resolution, but we'll get to that. Um, yeah. So the, well, they have a sense. I mean, they know they're on this. They know, they know the plan was for the humans and the Hath to colonize this planet together. Yes. And then something happened and that both sides blamed each other and they went to war and it's been innumerable generations back that this has been right. going on. Right, right. And so this bloody conflict. Uh, the buildings are all underground. No one really remembers why. Uh, everyone is born with the knowledge that they have. they have to fight. And how to do so. That's pretty much you know, how things work here. The doctor finds, uh, they're looking at this holographic map and he sonics it and ends up with a larger version of it. That uh, And both sides magically have access to it. Apparently, I thought originally when I watched this that someone had set up this war and made this balance of power between the two sides so that mm. no one could ever gain advantage. And that's why when one side gets the map that gives them a tactical advantage, the other side has to have it. But it turns out that's not the case. It's just that when the doctor sonic'd it, it... It's like there was something in the server was was missing until the, the sonic did its magical thing and right. fixed the problem. Yeah. And everybody has He says that. there was a, hid, a hidden layer of data in the image, and then he manifested it, and it manifested on both terminals. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, the doctor's trying to convince them that they don't have to fight, and he's not going to help them fight. The general... General Cobb yep. is don't think you can infect us with your peacemaking. <laughs> yes, I won't have them spreading <laughs> treason. Uh, and if you try anything, wait, I'll, wait, doctor, wait. I'll see that your woman dies first. No, no, we're not a couple. I'm not his woman. <laughs> we get that again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the uh, also we learned the planet we're on is planet Messaline. Yep. And the humans and the Hath are both after something called the Source. Yes. Which is described as being a sigh by God, basically, um, left over from the creation of the world. And the doctor says, no, it's not that. It's going to be something else, which, in fact, it is. It's something else. Right. But, yeah, the the general Cobb is kind of made out to be— a, It is kind of a sigh of creation. Right. And he's kind of made out to be a, a bit of a religious fanatic, you know, a war-mongering mm-hmm. religious fanatic, which is uh, a, a trope. Also, despite the um, despite the fact these people are all programmed to fight, and that that's an implausibility given what we eventually learn. Why would they be programmed to fight so quickly yeah. this way? Um, but the uh, they they are capable of resisting that. And apparently, a few generations ago, there was an outbreak of pacifism in one of their sectors, and they think that's mm. where the Doctor and Donna are from. Right. Everyone who's regenerated or progenerated t- comes out as a young adult, you know, prime soldier age. Right. But Cobb. Babies can't fight. <laughs> yeah, right. But Cobb 
is clearly much older than everybody else. Was he generated older? Because that's what a general is. It, yeah, I don't no know. No one ever says um, anything. He either. also yeah. he also may be just they may age really freaky fast. <laughs> they don't well, really cover this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the so he orders that doc the doctor and Donna be locked up and Jenny too because she's from the doctor. She's a pacifist. Stop. Yeah, and so we can't we can't trust her. Uh, that. Donna keeps noticing these number plaques on the wall, these these numbers. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, as we go through, she'll notice that they're counting down, but they're these long numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, Eight-digit numbers. Yeah. Jenny, uh, in, while they're in lockup, Jenny points out that the doctor is like a soldier. He gets very uncomfortable with that observation. Oh, yeah. I love this. This is really nice because this is a series poking at its own ideology because we've had this strong pacifist ideology on the show lately. And when it happens, like General or Colonel, what's his name from the Santaran episode yep. was was talking to the doctor about, oh, well, you've got some weapons too, huh? And here, the doctor immediately starts strategizing what they're going to do once they're put in a cell. And Jenny says, "You keep insisting you're not a soldier, but look at you drawing up strategies like a proper general. <laughs> you are such a soldier." <laughs> well, then he yeah. protests, "I'm trying to stop the fighting." And Jenny says, "Isn't every soldier?" I love that <laughs> <Yeah>. line. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he gets he, Donna and Donna's loving it because she she see, loves seeing the doctor flummoxed. She says, oh, you're speechless. I'm loving this. You keep on, Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, so Donna points out that Jenny is a Time Lord, right? I mean, she's made of, of uh, Time Lord DNA. Oh, and the doctor. Yep. Is, no, no. That being a Time Lord is much more than just your DNA. It's a way of life or something. I don't know. It's all all high and yeah, mighty it's, about it's, it. Yeah. The Gotta Time Lord Victoria Academy. starts rearing up at that point. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the doctor. So what we get, finally she pulls from the doctor why he's so uh, anti-gun, anti-soldier, anti-war. It's because of the time war. He's still carrying that burden. In fact, some of our feedback, we'll talk about that. Uh, and he's carrying that burden of having been in the time war and having, from his point of view, from his understanding, destroyed his own people entire races of the daleks and the and the time lords and and all the rest and that's why he he doesn't he doesn't cop to that in this episode but he does admit he's killed people in the time right yes This is Dom Bettinelli, CEO of the StarQuest Production Network, with a special message seeking your support. StarQuest needs your help. Over the past year, we've grown by leaps and bounds. Every month, we produce dozens of shows covering numerous topics and all explore the intersection of faith and pop culture, which is the core of our mission. Some, like Jimmy Akin's Mysterious World, are among the most popular shows StarQuest has ever produced in all its 13-year history. And our newest shows, like American Catholic History, are catching fire with new audiences. We're fulfilling our mission of evangelization in a whole new way, but that success is in danger. We must reach the financial break-even point if we're going to continue. Creating, editing, producing, distributing, and promoting a dozen shows have caused our expenses to rise, and we are no longer making ends meet. We're rapidly eating through our reserves, and soon they'll be gone, and we'll have to cut back many of our shows. We might even have to shut down altogether. That's why it's crucial we hear from you right now. If you haven't yet become a supporter, please do 
so now. If you are a supporter, please prayerfully consider increasing your support at this time. Please visit sqpn.com slash give today and click the Become a Patron button to make your monthly pledge. Or to give a one-time gift, click the Donate button. When you become a patron, you'll have access to exclusive benefits and several special thank you gifts for supporting StarQuest at different levels. The need is urgent, so please go to sqpn.com slash give today. Thank you from all of us at StarQuest, and God bless you. May we hear from you today? So they, Jenny uh, uses her feminine wiles to distract the guard and uh, the next take, his, take gun. his gun and get out of the cell. Uh, next time they encounter a soldier, Donna wants to take her turn and the doctor dissuades her from it. No, no, no. Yeah. Don't. <laughs> no, no, Let's no, save, save your later. feminine wiles for later. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Martha, uh, meanwhile, is friendly with the half and they've gone off to fight uh, they found since both sides have found the source the location source they're gonna have to fight she wants to stop them and she finds a way to get to the source first which is is to go up to the surface and make a a straight line to it the half Mm -hmm. that she helped peck who's now sort of her best friend trying to keep her from going up to the surface he says that it's it's all radiated and you'll die um she looks at the numbers yeah there's radiation but not so much i could survive it um and he's he's very reluctant to go until she goes up through the hatch and he, he follows her, which is, you know, there's a, there's a, a admirable loyalty in this path yeah. who mm-hmm. only just met. Donna, yeah. So that's really nice. Um, and they have three sons in the night sky. Uh, he has three sons. In the yeah. Night. Must be distant trinary star system. Uh, Jenny is trying to figure yeah. out what the doctor is and what he does. Uh, she asked Donna and Donna says, well, he runs a lot, <laughs> which is, <laughs> Quite true is that the doctor does run a lot. Um and uh they 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 come to this um barrier, this Tunnel. laser barrier. Jenny says, I'll go back and hold them off, the 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 the, the uh humans who are coming behind them and uh and the doctor's very angry, but she doesn't shoot at them. She overcomes her programming and she shoots uh a, a gas pipe. Yeah, a gas pipe that holds there's, them back. There's always a convenient steam pipe. somewhere. Yeah, there's always a convenient yeah. Pipe. The doctor's overjoyed that she's overcome this, um, and then they and then her stunt double flips through the laser field <laughs> yes, very, uh, perfectly. Uh, it's a very amusing moment where she uh, shows her flexibility. I guess uh, on the surface, Martha falls in some quicksand. She manages to find quicksand on the surface, uh, and the half that she had saved, Peck, sacrifices himself for her, and and, and Martha's distraught. And I think. I think this is where she remembers why she doesn't travel with the doctor anymore. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, this mm-hmm. is this, the, this, the exciting people part. People die. Yeah, but then there's the part where the people die. I don't like that anymore. Donna says that the doctor has a dad shock, uh, which she describes as sudden, unexpected fatherhood. Uh, but he recalls, like we said before, he'd, he's been a father before. Another, another shocking revelation for Donna. Uh, this episode is full of yeah. shocking doctor revelations. But the thing, the reason he's he's... He has the shock this time, he tells Donna, is because all that part of his life died and the part of him that could be a father died with it. Yeah. And so suddenly being a father again is – it's not that being a father, it's reawakening the loss of his original family. Right. Right. Uh, yes. Yeah, so having to deal with In- that emotion. Right. 
Yeah. In fact, there is a really nice uh, big finish. Uh, they call them short trips. It's a little short, like 30 minute play uh, starring mm. typically one actor, but it stars um, uh, the actress who plays Susan Foreman. Carol Ann Ford. Carol Ann Ford. Yeah. It stars Carol Ann Ford. They had a whole series in big finish of plays where Paul McGann's eighth doctor got to know Carol Ann Ford mm. and who, who got to know uh, Susan again because the doctor, when he left her in 2150 AD or whatever it was, where the Daleks had invaded and they just reclaimed Earth, and he left her promising, one day I'll be back. Well, Paul McGann's doctor did that, and she had a family, and so there are some adventures with with Susan and her family, including her son, who is played by the son of Paul McGann. Uh, oh, wow. Um but then um, there's an episode, a short track called, I think it's called All Hands on Deck. And Paul McGann's doctor, it's all narrated by Carol Ann Ford. But Paul McGann's doctor shows up repeatedly hiding himself and intervening in events in Susan's life. And what he's doing, she eventually discovers him and finds out. He's trying to keep her from getting a time cube that's a message from the Time Lords summoning all Time Lords to fight oh. in the Time War. Oh. And at the end of the episode, she gets the message and decides to go to Gallifrey. Oh, wow. And yeah. and so it's like, this is not going to end well, or at least at the current state of play, it's not going to end well. Yeah. And so you can, if you've heard that short track, you can imagine, I mean, he was there trying to stop his granddaughter from fighting in the time war oh, wow. and she fought anyway and didn't survive. Wow. Wow. That, that can, so, and this doctor is bear is carrying the weight of that knowledge right. and experience. Wow. So uh, it turns out that the source is, uh, it's in a spaceship, near a spaceship. Uh, in a in a hangar bay, anyway. Um, in a tunnel, in a in a. How many were going to Saint Ives? <laughs> yeah. So the uh, the doctor finds the old ship's log, and which describes how the war broke out when the mission commander died, and the half and the humans couldn't agree on a new leader. And then Donna deciphers the wall numbers at the same time. She finds it's a date, and that it's only been seven days since the war started. That. But at twenty generations a day, that's one hundred and forty generations. Right, which yeah. which would be you know yeah, it's a crazy number. So that huge body count. I don't know where all the bodies are coming from and going to. Maybe back into mm -hmm. the machine to provide raw material. Probably, <laughs> that, probably. Also, we learn effectively the date. It's apparently July twenty fourth in the year sixty twelve. Right. Uh, and uh, they they do the dates in the American fashion, and that's why they didn't figure it out right away. Uh, the the that it was a date. Um, why does everything look so old? Uh, yeah. Oh, we're also told it's the new Byzantine calendar. Right. Right. <laughs> yep. Uh, they just as far as the old question goes, they just wave a hand at it by saying they're not in ruins. They're just things that are empty look like they're in ruins. Which I no. <laughs> okay. Whatever. Uh, it turns out the source is war, actually war, war takes a war, war takes a toll on buildings. Okay, yeah, we can I say guess. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the source is a terraforming device, um, and it's basically a, a collection of gases that will terraform, and presumably nanobots or something. Right. But you can see how it is kind of like a sigh of creation. Yep. Right, and and it works by smashing it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it very, very simple. Yeah. Uh, 
Very simple activation sequence. Right. The doctor says that the their history of, of the Hath and the humans here uh, is Chinese whispers, which is a term I hadn't heard before, but... Uh, the, the American equivalent is the telephone game. Yes. Yep. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that's politically incorrect to use Chinese whispers now. So, uh, but not at the time they made this. Uh, Cobb, the meanwhile General Cobb, tries. To, he's he's one of those characters uh, who refuses to accept defeat, uh, even when it's in everyone's best interest. So the doctor declares the war over yeah. and smashes the terraforming sphere as so that and it releases all the gases and it's beautiful and the soldiers on both sides start laying down their weapons except for General Cobb. Yes, he takes mm-hmm. out his very old uh pistol which I think is the same pistol that Wolf Wolf will uh, wield later on. It's a very old hmm. probably is. Webley, I think it's called. Anyway, uh he tries to shoot the doctor but Jenny jumps in front, of course, and she dies. Why can't she regenerate? Well, the doctor says she was too much like me or something. I, I'm, I'm not sure what that means. Well, so I, I, I don't think that was why she couldn't regenerate. Okay. Um, the, but he, because he at first thinks she's going to regenerate. He says, all we have to do is wait. Yeah. And Martha, the doctor, says there's no sign that that's going to happen. And mm-hmm. and Martha, apparently, she knows about regeneration. Donna doesn't, I don't think, at this point. Right. No. Um, I'm not exactly sure why Martha knows about regeneration. I guess the doctor told her a lot about his background. Slash unit, unit records, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it'd be in unit records, too. Um, but uh, Martha says it's not going to happen here. And the doctor... I think it's Donna makes a comment about her being a lot like you or not enough like you. And the doctor says, no, she was too much like me, meaning she was a soldier. Okay. Oh, I see. All right. That's not a reference to why she couldn't regenerate, just that she was a soldier. That's why she died. Uh, And then he uh, later on, he says, Jenny was the reason for the TARDIS bringing us here. It just got here too soon, which then created Jenny in the first place, creating a paradox, an endless paradox, he says, uh, which is Mm. interesting. I don't think that line quite works. Yeah. It's not, you didn't get here too soon. You got here exactly when to generate the paradox. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Uh, Donna, Martha tries to tell, you know, warn Donna about traveling with the doctor that, you know, I'm done. I remember now why I, why I don't, and you'll get tired of it soon. And D- Donna's like, oh, no, I will travel with the doctor forever, said every companion. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then... That that was back on Earth as they were bringing Donna home, uh, Martha home. Uh, back on Messaline, uh, Jenny revives, and suddenly she's on board that shuttle. I mean, we, it's like we we decided to film like an extra couple of uh, 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 scenes, scenes there, right? Like yep. right at the end of production, um, and she she takes off on the shuttle to go be like the Doctor out in space. Uh, where are you go? Tell my dad. But where are you going? Oh, I've got the whole universe, planets to save, civilizations to rescue. So on and so forth. Um, that's that. That's how we end it. So, um, and it, it's a little unclear in the episode. Did she actually regenerate, or was she brought back to life by this terraforming source? Yeah. yeah. And apparently, uh, apparently, the showrunners have indicated it was the latter. But it wasn't obvious to me that that was what was happening. That it wasn't just regeneration that was delayed. Well, part of it is because the way they showed it was like with the doctor. Where it comes out of the mouth. She exhales this stuff, and I'm thinking, well, that kind of looks like Artron energy, but I think it's yep. meant to be 
part of the source gases. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They just they just failed to come up with a new method of showing it. <laughs> so uh any other last notes on this, Father Corey? Uh just one quick thing. Uh General Cobb was played by Nigel Terry, where he was also if you have ever seen the early eighties movie Excalibur about King Arthur oh, yeah. and the round table? Yep. Uh he was King Arthur. Right. Oh. I remember that movie. Yeah. Damn long time ago. The theater. <laughs> yes. Okay. Very good. Very good. I, I, I'm usually the one to catch those references, but I'm glad you got that one. Jimmy? Um, I thought it was interesting that when they're doing the chase sequence through the tunnels where the doctor and companions are staying ahead of General Cobb and his forces, that to signal the approach of the forces, they use a sound effect that involves shooting. <laughs> and it's like why are they why are we hearing the sound of off-camera gunfire to signal the approach of these people who are they shooting at it doesn't who are they shooting it doesn't make any sense right um also very early in that sequence donna gets the doctor to agree to take jenny along as a companion yep and so we have jenny as a presumptive companion for a good chunk of the episode um towards the end of the episode the after the after Cobb has shot Jenny, the doctor takes the gun and like holds it right up to Cobb's mm-hmm. head and is 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 apparently going to shoot Cobb, but then he doesn't and he angry makes this speech as the doctor does and tells them to make the and he says you know I I could but I wouldn't. And I never would. And he says, make the foundation of this society a man who never would. And it's like, we got a little Time Lord Victorious peeking through here because yep. he, you're just assuming you're going to be the foundation of this society. Right. I mean, maybe you, maybe you did a nice repair job, but they were already here. <laughs> and, yeah. It was this is a human half colonization project. You didn't start this. You just helped helped them stop a war. Right. Uh, by the way, I, I, one thing I forgot to mention was that um, this was not the first time for Georgia Moffat to be on Doctor Who. Uh, she was previously in mm-hmm. a big Finnish production in 2000 with her dad. Oh, wow. Uh, in a, something called Red Dawn, Doctor Who Red Dawn, big Finnish uh, mm-hmm. with the fifth doctor and Perry. Uh, so, uh, so apparently that's uh, where she got the bug to be on uh, Doctor Who. Uh, with what? What's interesting, and one of the reasons there's so much crossover with Big Finish is because the show, uh, Russell T. Davies and Stephen Moffat, I mean, worked on Big Finish stuff and the novels and everything. Mm-hmm. It was really, they were the fans in the interim between the two series that then got the chance to launch the new series. Yeah. So that's why we have a lot of this crossover. What's really freaky when you when you deep dive into Big Finish is David Tennant is in Big Finish playing pre-doctor roles. Yes. Oh wow. Yeah, it's like he's just some time lord, but it's not the Doctor. <laughs> Interesting. Well, that's funny. Yeah, it, that's yeah, that's a, it's it's it has it's officially canon. Uh, the, the the Big Finish as much as anything in Doctor Who is canon, shall we say? Mm-hmm. I play a little fast and loose with that, but yeah, it's it was. It was people. It was people keeping Doctor Who alive when it wasn't on TV. I mean, for all they knew, this was what Doctor Who would be for the future. Would be these audio plays, mm-hmm. and so a lot of the people involved kept it going, which is uh, really neat. Uh, all right, so if we've done with that, we'll talk about our feedback. We have some feedback on episode one thirty-seven, the Sontaran Stratagem. Uh, Amy Flowers writes on Facebook. 
with Donna's flashbacks, when we had, she had those weird flashbacks when she was walking home, remembering things that she happened to her in her first uh, experiences with the doctor. Uh, with Donna's flashbacks, I took them as her character developing. Before she'd met the doctor, she was more self-centered, and after just a few adventures with him, she's seeing more around her, and it's affecting her perspective in the present, and it makes her later mind wipe all the more devastating, but spoilers and stuff is what Amy says. But uh, Spoilers, sweetie. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, good point. That's interesting. Yeah, so it's telling us about how Donna is changing. And then Amy also says, regarding the current string of companion departures, they must all have been tragic, and I don't think that was always the case in Classic Who. And if you ask me, it's totally not necessary to have every companion leave in a heartbreaking way. It can feel melodramatic, and note to writers, <laughs> sad doesn't always mean better writing. There's nothing wrong with a happy ending. Which yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Um, I think the, and, and Amy is right, the uh, classic companions didn't always leave under sad circumstances, although sometimes it was hard to write them out in a convincing way. They'd suddenly fall in love for no apparent reason, largely off screen, <laughs> including the worst case of that, I think, is when uh, is when Mel suddenly falls for the psychopathic pirate Sabalon yeah. Blitz and leaves, you know, <laughs> with no on-screen development of that. Um, I think the modern writers have a problem in that they they don't want to do the sudden romance, which is an obvious way to get a, a character out if they fall in love with somebody. Um, they don't want to do a sudden romance departure. Um, it, it, they want to do realistic mm -hmm. things that would lead to someone departing. And if if they if they don't want to build up a long term romance that would take the focus off the sci fi right. action, then it's easier to go with a sad, tragic departure rather than a happy one. Um, and I think partly it's they have a limitation uh, of imagination mm -hmm. in terms of they can't conceive of anyone wanting to voluntarily stop traveling with the doctor for anything other than an unpleasant reason. Well, and of course, the funny part is the first companions, right. Ian and Barbara, Barbara, left because they got home. They got where they wanted mm -hmm. to go. It was a happy right. ending. It might have been a couple of years. But they got home. Yeah. So yeah. maybe that's the yeah. solution. The doctor can just kidnap some new companions <laughs> on a broken TARDIS, and it'll take him a couple of years to get home. And he can, uh, he can uh, pretend to leave them off at yeah. various <laughs> random locations, yeah. uh, threaten to leave them. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, that That is a good point. And, I mean, parting is such, such sweet sorrow. So, I mean, partings are, are usually right. s sad at some point, but they don't have to be tragic. They don't have to be. Uh, the end of the world. They don't have to be the doctor standing in the rain, staring, yeah. saying, I'm so sorry. And there are, you know, <laughs> other ways. Like what, the apparent planned departure for Ace was to have Ace graduate to go to the Time Lord Academy and yep. become a Time Lady, even though she was a human. And they mm, never got to film that because the series got canceled. But, you know, that you could have a character with long-term goals that are they end up moving on to achieve. Mm -hmm. I actually like Martha's departure, despite the overplaying of the Martha pining after the Doctor. I think that's one of the healthiest departures yeah. in in New Who. Right. I this is not good for me long term, and I'm getting out now. Exactly. Well, before I get damaged by it, that was actually a very healthy way to have a companion leave. Right. Right. I mean, we almost got that with Clara too, where she was. Uh, I'm with mm -hmm. Danny now, and I'm gonna stay here, and you're gonna go off and do your thing, and that's that. And then, nope. Then they had yeah. to fake kill her. <laughs> All right. T 
Cammy LML on YouTube writes, thanks for another fun episode review, guys. Just a tiny bit of trivia. The intruder window uh, joke, remember, uh, came out, intruder window, because uh, intruder alert. Oh, right, uh, yeah. Was yep. first told in the episode Dalek with uh, the ninth Doctor by the billionaire Henry Van Staten. Uh, I don't know. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, intruder. So I the, forgot about that one. However, the Doctor wasn't in that scene, so maybe the walls were thin or uh, someone told him the joke later, but uh, that was in the in the underground bunker there. And then uh, Catherine O'Hare on Facebook says, Each regeneration has characteristics born out of the previous death. I thought New Who doctors showed an aversion to guns due to their PTSD from the Time War. Uh, I found this quote, though, from the Robots of Death. I never carry weapons. If people see you mean them no harm, they never hurt you. Nine times out of ten. Which is (laughs) a very terrible philosophy. It's going to get you killed. So... (laughs) So it's a common thread throughout Doctor Who, but New Who lays it on heavy sometimes. So uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, we, and we've talked about that. We've seen it in uh, Classic Who that we recently talked about the Sixth Doctor uh, rejecting the use of uh, of guns being handed to him and that sort of thing. So that's our feedback. Thank you very much for all that feedback. We really do appreciate hearing from all of our listeners. It's really great to to hear from you. Uh, we want to take a moment as we finish up to make to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Doctor Who, including Kathy D, Mark L, John K, Chris, and John D. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. All right, so that's it from us. What did you think of the 10th Doctor story, The Doctor's Daughter? Let us know by visiting sqpn.com, or you can go to the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page, or you can send us an email to Who at sqpn.com. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the 7th Doctor story, Dragonfire. Until then, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me in sharing The Secrets of Doctor Who. I'm glad to be here, and thank you, Dom. And Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thanks, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember, planets to save, civilizations to rescue, creatures to defeat, and an awful lot of running to do. Right. This is going to be fun.